You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. So now, the Quraysh is mobilizing, they're leaving from Mecca, they're coming to Medina. They will get there within days. How did the Muslims find out? The Prophet had instructed Muslims, by the way, to always be on the lookout, to gather information, to monitor the movement of the enemy. If they see anything suspicious, they would come and report to the Prophet. When Quraysh left Mecca, they went to Medina, a group of Khuza'a, Khuza'a was a very important tribe between Mecca and Medina. A group of Khuza'a, they came to the Prophet and they informed him of the plot. Basically, Khuza'a was a very important tribe in Arabia. And for about three centuries, they were the custodians of Masjid al-Haram of the Kaaba. Later, Quraysh took that from them and they became the custodians. So Khuza'a, they had made a treaty with Abdul Muttalib. This is before Islam. They had made a treaty with Abdul Muttalib that will stand with you, will stand with Bani Hashim. So because of that alliance, they felt obligated to come and tell the Prophet look, all of Quraysh, they're coming with all these tribes to fight you. So they tipped him off. They informed the Prophet At the same time, we have hadith that Jibra'il came down on the Prophet and he told him, Ya Rasulullah, they're mobilizing a massive army. All these tribes are descending on Medina. So Khuza'a informed the Prophet and also Allah confirmed it to the Prophet Okay. What did the Prophet do after knowing of this plot? He immediately formed a council to consult the companions. What do we do? They already had the bitter experience of Uhud. The Prophet told them, let's stay in Medina, let's not go. We could be defeated. They, dis- you know, they, they said, no, let's go out to the mountain of Uhud and fight the enemy there. That was not the Prophet's choice. He recommended that they would stay inside Medina. They could better ward off the enemy. So now that the companions realized that in the past, they didn't take the Prophet's word, they were regretful. They're like, okay, let's see what you also tell us. Some said, let's stay inside Medina. Let's not go out. Let's fortify our towers, have our archmen, and uh, you know, when the enemies, they come to Medina, let's just try to kill them as they enter. This was the suggestion of the Prophet at Uhud, when Uhud happened. But the Prophet and some companions said, no, right now this is not appropriate. Why? There are too many. They are just too many. According to some estimates, the Muslims, year four or five of the Hijrah were 3,000. You have 4,000 people just descending on Medina. If you stay inside the city, eventually they'll overwhelm you. They'll enter, they'll raid the city and that's it. So the Prophet says, no, we have to leave the city and come up with a strategy. So we don't let them enter Medina. If they enter Medina, that's it. We're going to lose the battle. So the Prophet is consulting them. Salman al-Muhammadi or Salman al-Farsi comes with a suggestion. Salman says, Ya Rasulullah, when we were in Persia, 
because he's Persian, he lived in Persia all his life before coming to see the Prophet and before he became a Muslim. He told the Prophet in Persia when a similar situation would happen, you know what kind of tactic we would use? We would dig a deep trench hole in the ground and basically we'd dig the trench around the city the enemy they just can't enter, they don't have a logistical way to enter with their horses and then we'll shoot them. That was our tactic. The companions loved this and the Prophet said yes, this is exactly what we'll do. Some other ahadith indicate the Prophet gave the suggestion first. He said let's dig a trench, Salman confirmed it, he's like yes, this works as a strategy because in Persia that's what we, we, that's what we would do and it would work, it would ward off the enemy. So all the companions love this, they're like perfect. Now we have a strategy, let's go dig a trench around the city so we stop them from entering. But this is going to be a lot of hard work, you don't have these uh, bulldozing machines back then, these big shovels right, it's, it's all manual. Okay, so the Prophet he said, let's leave the city. He left the city and a number of his companions from the Muhajirin and the Ansar, they followed him and he basically, basically went to the um, mountain of Sal'a, which is known in Medina and that's where the trench started. The Prophet says, let us dig the trench from here to an area called Ratij. In any case, in, the reports indicate that at the foot of this mountain in Medina, the mountain of Salah or Sal, that's where the trench would be dug. Now this wasn't just the plan to have a trench, but the plan was also to have sentry posts where basically you have soldiers stationed over there and they would act as defense. If one of the enemy manages to come, he manages to pass the trench, we can kill them immediately. So it was a very, very solid plan to ward off the enemy. So now from Uhud, from the Uhud area all the way to Ratij, that's where they decided to have the trench. And in order to maintain good order, they decided that every 40 cubits, Vira, Basically a cubit is one point something feet, it's about 60 feet. That every 60 feet you entrust it to 10 men. This is how the Prophet divided the work. Now we're going to make this ditch, right? So every 60 feet have 10 men work on it. The Prophet himself, he started the groundbreaking ceremony if we can call it. He started first, he struck the first pick on the ground and he began to dig the earth himself. Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib he was busy extracting the clay from the ground. So the Prophet would dig, he'd remove the soil in order to make that big trench. The face and the forehead of the Prophet was sweating because he was engaging in physical labor. The Prophet was going through fatigue trying to dig all that, but he's doing it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now the Prophet as he was digging, historians note that he would recite these beautiful lines of poetry. 
اللهم إن العيش عيش الآخرة فاغفر للأنصار والمهاجرة Basically the Prophet would say the real life is the life of the Akhirah, not this dunya. Oh Allah forgive the muhajir, muhajirs and the ansar for participating in this very important event. So the Prophet asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive his companions who were there participating and giving from their time and energy. The companions of the Prophet when they saw him working and he'd carry the soil on his back, or on his shoulder, then he'd dig, then he had to go and rest for a little bit, right? Remember the Prophet here is 50 something years old, 57, maybe 58 years old, so you get tired by digging all that much. When they saw the Prophet getting tired, they told him, Ya Rasulullah, stop, nahnu nakfiq, we'll do it on your behalf, you don't have to do it. The Prophet says, no, I want to be a participant in this, and I want to partake in the ajr. You see the, the leadership qualities of the Prophet were really amazing. That's how a true leader should be. You participate yourself. It shows your sincerity. It shows your conviction. It shows your humbleness too. Such leadership is what saved Muslims. When you see Rasulullah, the grand Prophet, the great Prophet of Allah, before you digging, the dust collecting on him, imagine how much that motivates you. Imagine how much energy that gives you to see the Prophet endure hardship before you. So because the Prophet participated himself, he really motivated so many of his companions to come and participate to the point where some historians have noted that some Jews from Banu Quraidah at Khaybar who still had the treaty with the Prophet, they helped by sending some tools or instruments, maybe shovels or something like that, because they were still under a pact. But soon later, these same Jews of Khaybar, they broke the pact and they tried to kill the Muslims. So the Prophet was able to mobilize all those companions to dig the trench when he himself started to dig. That left a, an amazing spiritual impact on them. All Muslims were 3,000, all Muslims at the time, including women and children. They were much less. No, the enemies were 4,000. The Muslims were much less than that. They were much, much, the men who were actually out there. And remember the Munafiqeen also didn't join, those who were in Medina. So they were outnumbered. That's why, that's why the Prophet and Salman, they, they, they liked the suggestion. They're like, look, if we want to face them combat one by you know, one to one, no, there's no chance. We're, we're greatly outnumbered by them. All these Arab tribes, all these Jews, all their swordsmen, we, we, we have no chance. So let's dig a trench. That's our, that's our strategy. Despite our small numbers, we have a path to victory. And, and that's what happened. We shall see later, inshallah, how this unfolded. Now, when the digging, when the digging would become difficult, sometimes you have like a big rock and you know Arabia is rugged terrain in that area. So sometimes you'll be digging that trench and you'll come across a big boulder rock. When they couldn't dig it, the Prophet had to help. The Prophet would take his shovel or the axe or whatever it is, he would strike the stone with the power of Allah, it would split open. Many miracles were seen at the Battle of Khandaq. Inshallah, we'll see them in our subsequent sessions. One of them was this. 
You're digging, you're digging, you come across a big rock. You can't move it, you can't carry it, it's too heavy. You can't break it up. Ya Rasulullah, help out. The Prophet would come, he'd hold his axe or the shovel, he'd strike it, it would split open. It would just scatter into pieces by the barakah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the most people who helped the Prophet on that day were Imam Ali salam. On those days were Imam Ali and his supporters, the Shia of Imam Ali salam. They were really uh, committed to digging this trench. Now how long was this trench? We have several estimates over here. One estimate states about 12,000 dhira cubits, whereas some say maybe about 5,000 cubits. It was maybe one to three miles long. One, actually 5,000 dhira is more than a mile. Maybe two to four miles long, let's say. That's a lot. A huge trench that big around the city two to four miles, that's a lot. Remember Medina was a small city, it wasn't that big of a city like those metro areas today. No, it was a small city. All the citizens of Medina were what? 3,000. It was not a big city. How wide was the, was the trench? Any guesses, any ideas? How wide was it? So we know how long was it, like from here to here, two to four miles. But how wide was it? It was nine cubits. Nine cubits, let's say 15 feet. That's a lot, 15 feet. That's a big trench. So imagine two to four miles of a 15 feet ditch. Imagine how much work they had to do to dig this. And how deep was it? About 10 feet. That's huge. Imagine a hole in the ground that's 15 feet wide, 10 feet deep, and it's going for two to four miles. So this was a big, big achievement, you know, for them to do at that time. You don't have any machines, you don't have any bulldozing machines, nothing. It's just you and your shovel. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them the energy and the stamina to really continue with this. It took them under 20 days. Some say 10 days, some say 15 days, some say 20 days. The, the, maybe the most accurate estimate is about 15 days. They were on their way, they were coming. See, by the time you need to get from Medina to Mecca, from Mecca to Medina with all the tribes, it takes, you know, a few days. It takes 10, 15 days. During those 10, 15 days, they dug the ditch. By the way, the pagans had no clue this was happening. They were shocked when they got to Medina. So two to four miles around Medina, you know, from the northern edge to the western edge, this was where they were digging. From the southern side, Basically, you had an area where a massive army could stand there and attack. So they didn't need to dig a trench from all around Medina. They only dug a trench, some parts of Medina. Those open fields from Uhud to Ratij, it was an open field where basically they could come and strike with the help of the Jews because the Jews also lived in the northern side. So with the help, the logistical help of the Jews, they could go from the northern side of Medina in those open fields and make the attack into Medina. That's where the Prophet told them, let's make the trench. It was the vulnerable areas of Medina. But some areas they were, you know, well fortified. You didn't need a big trench for that. So it's the north and the western areas. As for the eastern and the southern areas, you basically had, um, you know, 
uh, a chain of houses and construction that would fortify the city.